Welcome back to IO's Pod. We are in the double digits now in episodes, and we're creeping closer and closer to Halloween. And as we have done the last few weeks, I will be ending this particular podcast with another story. So stick around if you're not into the ISFL, DSFL mumbo jumbo. Uh, you can skip ahead to that, but I recommend you do not because we have another special guest on this week. We have. My teammate, a new friend of mine that I met here in the ISFL with the Austin Copperheads, and an absolute mainstay legend here in the ISFL, we have Moody. Welcome aboard. Hello, Io. How are you, my friend? Oh, I am uh, cracked open in another Oktoberfest here at 3.30 in the afternoon, my time, and I am wonderful. <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds perfect. It's it's sort of 9 o'clock my time, so it's a perfectly acceptable drinking drinking point in the day. So you're absolutely fine. <laughs> so uh, it's it's funny. So I do these podcasts. Uh, I really I have very little kind of prepared. I have some things that I do want to touch on, but I like to kind of do these podcasts as sort of, uh, you know, shooting from the hip and just kind of just casual conversation. And so one of the things I had, I did want to kind of talk to you about. So I am very partial to darker beers and uh like oktoberfest is a is a kind of darker uh, heartier uh beverage here from samuel adams which is an american company um mm-hmm. but i was curious i've always every all my friends that i have overseas are typically partial to darker beers and that um is that more of a is that more of a european kind of flavor those kind of darker heartier beers I'm not really sure. I think it's something that's not an American flavor from what I can work out. We have all sorts over here. Because, I mean, in I, I think it's also something that, at least in my experience, you don't get a lot of on, in Europe either. It's something you get a lot of in Britain and obviously Ireland. But at least my experience, it was at least certain parts of Europe. It's lots of lager and things like that. And the, the really dark beers don't really exist. Because obviously in the UK, we have lots of ale and things like that, which... Are not carbonated in any way, so sort of they're st- completely still, but they're also sort of you get dark ones, you get amber ones, it all sort of changes. So I can't speak for the entire of Europe, but I mean, <laughs> in the UK, we have huge variety. Um, I've always and, uh, that is one of my dreams is uh, to visit Europe. I've had a bunch of my friends who have backpacked through Europe. Um, and I've been super jealous on that, and that is definitely on a bucket list, and that's uh, one of the things I want to do. I've actually, I am much like many Americans. Uh, I Half my family is from Europe. The other half is from Mexico. I'm a, a half Mexican, half uh, uh, Irish uh, mixed breed here, and my I did trace my family to York, uh, York Ireland, and so that's kind of one of the places I would like to visit, and when I talk about my friends and when they visit uh, when they when they backpack they always talk about the out al- the alcohol and the in, in beer because here i think a lot of the uh stereotypes especially college-aged individuals uh are like you know natural light and just light beer and beer pong and just having a you know just drinking quantity over quality whereas i think european drinkers are more about quality um with a little bit of quantity depending on your type of style um so I've always been interested, but one of the things I've always I am kind of curious about is warm beer. They always say that they drink a lot more warm beer. Is that true? No, no, that's that's an Americanism. Essentially, it's that that is it's traditional English ale, which people go, oh no, it's warm, and it's not warm. It's not refrigerated, but I mean the barrels are stored in cold cellars, like under the pub. Traditionally, that's where it comes from. It's traditional barrels under the cellar, like they're stored in cold cellars. So it's it's cold, but it's not like it's not refrigerated beforehand. 
Oh, uh, that's the difference, and it's a very traditional way. I mean, we we have all the same. We have all the lagers that are refrigerated, and you know all the new IPAs that are the same. We ha- all that is here as well. It's just those. It's those traditional English ales are are stored in cold cellars under the pub and are hand drawn. So as in the pump, you pull the pump towards you continuously to um to get the beer up. I I love that. I even in college, even though I you know. If it was a if it was a party time, I would definitely hop on the natural light train. But uh, I am I am kind of I was even in college more of a uh, I don't know I guess people would say a snootier drinker. I do like uh, like I like I was a big fan of Guinness. Um, I love I was Guinness was my drink for like basically six years uh, where I basically exclusively drank Guinness and then I started venturing off to all kinds of different styles and different places. I got really into um, Belgian style and uh, um, for a little while, and so I'm definitely. Uh, I could talk about. I could probably make this entire podcast about beer. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I I'm a big fan. So um, no, I'm very fascinated by that. I've always uh, everywhere I go. We used to we do travel the Western Hemisphere a lot. I've been to Mexico a few times. I've been to the islands uh, a lot, and so I always try to try the. Um, you know the local beverages, um, and so I do know even in the islands and in Mexico, light beer is a very is one of the more common things that you can get. So I know to get my my dark flavored uh, palate, uh, I'd, I'd have to go across the uh, across the big sea there to to your your neck of the woods, I think, to really dive into that culture a little bit. Well, it's just it's hot weather. When it's hot, you just want something light. You just want a log or something like that. I think that's the difference. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's it, it's tough to drink a Guinness on a beach in in Mexico. I'll definitely exactly. I will admit I will admit that. Um, but anywho, <laughs> uh, we could dive a little bit into the ISFL chatter a little bit. And since we're both um, Austin Copperheads, we could start right then and there. I uh, this is my first season, and this is obviously you've been here for a little bit longer, especially as a starting quarterback. Uh, a- uh, Jackie Daytona, if, if if you're listening and unaware, the <laughs> quarterback of the Austin Copperheads. Um, and you know, one of the things that I'm excited for is it seems as though we've uh, came we've came and conquered some of the t- we have a really tough schedule here at the beginning, and we've done really well coming out of it three and one, tied for first place over here in our division. And riding on the shoulders of Zoe, who's just having another fantastic year at the at the running back, and then Vital uh, Vital San at receiver is just is leading, I believe, in reception yards. Um, and so uh, it looks as though Austin might be a contender. And I'm really, really excited to see the continuation of the season and how it goes. What are your thoughts so far? Four games in, what do you think? I think it's exactly like I say. You can never be quite sure when it comes to when it comes to sim leagues how well you're going to do because there's always how well you should do. And that doesn't always equate, but I think we've done we've done pretty well. I mean, winning against Arizona in Arizona mm-hmm. was a game we probably shouldn't have won, and we did. <laughs> and then losing at home to New York is a game we should have won, we didn't. So I think it's fairly even. We've got a pretty decent side this year. I think we really should be competing for you know to playoffs, and then once you get into the playoffs, you know it's anyone's chance. So it's exactly how it should be. That's to be honest with you, I think yeah, yeah. Like you said, we've got a very strong team at the minute, so I can't really complain. That's something that I'm I'm super excited about. So, um, do you play? Is this the only simulation league, or do you play other simulation leagues? No, no, I am I am in SHL and PPE, but this is sort of this is my main one. This is the one that I max earn in. I don't really have the ability, or essentially, I, I do everything except earn money in the other two. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I'm i also, I'm, I'm over in the PBE, and this is, uh, in terms of just pure simulations, I do 
PBE, ISFL, and then the Super Casual League, and then I do uh, a couple of other fake baseball leagues, number ball leagues um, as well. And uh, one of the things that I haven't been, so I've been in, it really involved in this now for all, going on two years is when I first started, and I, I discovered the wonderful world that is Simulation League and uh, fake baseball leagues. And one of the things that I'm, I love, and it's, I, it might be because I just haven't had a whole lot of experience, especially over the PBE where, uh, for those of you who have listened, I was a Sarasota Supernova for nine seasons. I just actually <laughs> went into the free agency and switched over to the New Orleans Rougarous. Um, but going into playoff simulation league uh, sports is, is, is something that is really fun for me. I love hopping into voice chat. Going crazy, watching these, uh, watching the Sims in the playoffs. They just, you know, these win, winner, uh, loser, go home uh, scenarios. And so I'm really excited, especially with my first year here in Austin, that it appears. And again, knock on wood. Hope I'm not jinx, jinxing us a little bit, but it appears though Austin has a really good shot at going to the playoffs and actually making some noise. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. And I think that's. Why I really, really enjoy uh, simulation leagues is, A, I think everyone talks about the community and obviously hanging out and talking in the clubhouses, but it gets really crazy come playoff time in these leagues, and that's when I think you really get to see the excitement and just, you know, your, your, all your work that you've been doing come to fruition. So uh, you as the quarterback and as a, as a staple of our organization here, I think might have a little bit more vested interest in coming into the playoffs uh, in terms of just your overall performance. I'm just a lowly defensive end, <laughs> but yeah. uh, well, watch... I, I also, I also do the bulk of the sim testing as well. So <laughs> really, it really, it really does get to get to your points. Do you, uh, is this, is uh, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your third create, or is it your second create? No, this is my second create. Second, second create. create. Yes, yeah, and... second create. Both have been with Austin. The first one joined them when the team started, when the team was founded. Do you, uh, what, what was it, did, was it, did you pick quarterback at a necessity, or was that something that you wanted to do? It was, it was both, really. It was necessity. It was when we got to the draft and we had a chance of either drafting a quarterback or drafting a player that we really wanted and someone like myself retiring and, and immediately starting a quarterback. And in the end, we opted for drafting Zoe Watts and me retiring and starting, and starting again as a quarterback. Because I think it's one of the things with quarterbacks always in this league where it's, it's such an important position. You have to have someone who, A you can completely trust and you know he's not going to go anywhere and B, you know he's going to supermax earn continuously mm-hmm. and so it's sort of it's just it's getting that right balance as well so it's, it's sort of that that was the choice that we made when when that time came and I mean my last player was a running back so it's sort of drafting Zoe Watts and me obviously leaving leaving my player's corpse for a season and then and then heading off sort of made a lot of sense. Right, yeah, and, and that's I, I totally understand that. That I mean that uh you know, I think quarterback in terms of all of sports across and, and I don't know I don't think there's a whole lot of conver- or, uh, argument for this that quarterback is single handedly probably the most important position by itself than any other than any other position in basically any other sport. Um, oh hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I think that reflects pretty pretty um pretty pretty parallel here in the simulation league just kind of doing a quick look at the quarterbacks um in the isfl as a season 25 create you're currently leading um with the most tpe um but 
One of the things that I, I was looking at the updates, uh, just because I'm, I'm still relatively new. This is my third season here in the ISFL, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can, uh, just sort of the nuances of everything. It looks as though you're you're pretty much maxed out at everything that you can add TPE to. So, oh, I am. I'm, I'm just banking at the minute. It's so, just literally turning TPE, throwing it in the bank, so when you start regressing, you don't physically lose anything. Gotcha, lose okay. At least the first season, I won't, I won't, I physically, all my, any regression will come out of my bank. So that's pretty awesome, because that was one of the things I was kind of wondering. I was kind of like... You know, if you're just continuously banking, I know you have traits. I'm assuming you purchased all the traits, and so yeah, yeah, no, no, all traits purchased, everything maxed. Do you think that's a good um, system that that you basically are just banking for for regression so that you don't lose anything, or do you think they should add more uh, traits or something that you could spend all this TP on? It's always one of those really difficult questions because it's all about balance, isn't it? And mm -hmm. what's what's fair to balance and balancing max earners against mid earners. And I think the way we have it is we have it in such a way that we know it's reasonably balanced at the minute. And I think any changes you make are always going to be really difficult to try and get that balance just right. Until people, you know, people will complain. Oh, I only want to mid earn, and I can't because I'm completely useless against all these mega stars. And it's sort of it's getting that, getting that quite right. Yeah, I've, I've, that seems. I think that's always the number one question. I know over in the PBE, I spent. Uh, I've been over there now ten seasons, um, and that was a lot of question. I was in the management for a little while because I was in charge of uh, one of the media things over there. So I got to see a lot of the conversation regarding how to balance out the simulation. There was a time period where it seemed as though pitching was a little uh, overpowering versus hitting, and so they, they changed it up, and they obviously gave you the, the ability to change park factors which would uh, that you can, can kind of struct depending on how your team is constructed. Like, for example, New Orleans is a hitting-oriented hmm, hitting team, and so we're, we're kind of currently discussing our park factors on how to best utilize our power hitting, whereas Sarasota was all about pitching and defense. And so um, as a power hitter in Sarasota, it was uh, terrible. But <laughs> I was able to uh, win a gold glove just because we had our team was so good on pitching and defense. And so that is a huge conversation. And so I, I guess that is something that I'm kind of learning a little bit more in the ISFL simulation is how to best get that balance. And that was one of the questions I kind of had was, you know, once – you know, like myself, like say if I max earn as a defensive end and I have all the traits I can get and all the uh, stats I can get and just banking and banking and banking, if it's just kind of that offset of regression and if whether or not, you know, that makes it more or less fun, I think it's more or less just it is more fun if a game is balanced. But at the same time, it would be kind of cool to be just this overpowering player because you're so max earned, you know what I mean? And so, oh, yeah, 100%. I, we're, you know, because kind of looking at the stats now as the number one current TPE earner in all the ISFL. You're kind of on the bottom half in terms of passing yardage um, and touchdowns with only four. But I think a lot of that is how we run our offense. Obviously, Zoe's a, a huge part of it. We got Jim the Vampire who's tearing it up, pretty good offensive line, and a good in a really good run-stopping defense. So it's interesting to kind of see. I know I played real football. I played football for 16 years in college, and that kind of game planning, your scheme versus scheme, and how your personnel matches up to certain schemes. Um, like I know in my, I actually switched positions because we went away from a power offense and we went to a, uh, we got a new offense coordinator. We went to a, um, air raid system. And so I actually switched from fullback, which was my initial, um, uh, position that I was recruited to play to defensive, uh, defensive end. 
and which was hundred times more fun. But oh yeah. But it, you know, basically, as a fullback, I was I became just obsolete. That was not needed anymore. So I switched, and I actually it worked out in my favor just because of my skill set. But um, watching just kind of how you are, I guess TPE the best quarterback, and just pure TPE in terms of maxing out everything. But yet. Is it, be, it our offense just isn't really built to utilize you as much as it is maybe Jim the Vampire and Zoe? I mean, is that is that kind of am I kind of on par for that? Yeah, yes and no. I think it's one of these ones where it's also it, it comes down to what happens in the sim that day as well. It's a lot of, a lot of things like getting the best stats is is so dependent on what's what's in the sim. I think, like you said, a lot of it is the fact that we do have possibly the best sort of running back tandem so that means that when we test what whatever we we, we what we put forward is what's best what what we win the most with in our testing and we win the most in our testing with with our formations mm-hmm. where we use our running backs a lot so i think it's just other teams can't really handle that sort of one-two punch and i remember screaming at the sim i think on i think it was our first game actually where we should have been running the ball <laughs> and, and killing clock uh, because we had a pretty solid lead with a little less left in the game, but we kept throwing the ball. Um, oh, the, the sim the sim doesn't understand. Yeah. Doesn't understand. <laughs> it, it used to be worse as well. It used to be worse. I remember in the old sim, as as my current player, as a quarterback, I, pick, I can't remember which penalty it was. I think I got a tripping penalty. Oh, wow. After I threw the ball. So I threw the ball, then must have run forwards as a quarterback and tripped someone up. That, that's that's crazy. I, it, it, that's one of the things we were, you know, I've had Scotty McKitts on, and we talked a lot about, especially as newer users to the ISFL, because we don't know the old system. We only know this particular hmm. simulation. I actually, I did purchase the simulation. I helped Dallas um, in the worm over there with, with running some stuff there. And so I've tried to learn as much as I can from it. And one of the things that I've kind of taken away is, even though it's really good, and I do enjoy it, though, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, it, Wolverine Studios, if you're listening, which I doubt, please don't take this the wrong way, <laughs> I really, I, it's super fun, but I think football is, is a much, is a very, a much more of a chess, intricate, cerebral game that is just very difficult to translate into this particular simulation. And uh, oh, I don't. That, 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 that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent. I think that's the reason there really aren't any football sort of simulation simulation mm. games that are like absolutely brilliant in the same way. For example, you get like Out of the Park, or in soccer you have Football Manager, where you know the action is amazing. And I think it's like you said, it's just because everyone's job is so different in football. It's it's in it's not like soccer where all the players have a general sort of thing where they're all trying to do the same thing and have similar skill sets in football you just the skill sets just don't overlap in any way so each person has to do things completely separately and then there's every interaction they have with each other and i think that just makes it really really difficult to physically make a game i mean people people do complain about arsim but i think it's one of these ones where it's not the best but it's probably the best that we can get. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think that, yeah, even with uh, Super Casual, they use Axis. And Axis is, it's fun because you actually have, you know, sprites, like real uh, renders of uh, players running down the field. And that's kind of cool. But, you know, with, I don't think that, excuse me, um, with this many 
you know, the majors and minors here, ISFL, DSFL, all the games that you got to play, that that would really be reasonable because everybody wants to see their – and it only takes 15, 20 minutes for one game here with the, the dot football. And I think it works perfect. I, and don't get – like I said, I really do enjoy it. I, I get I get hyped up um, uh, watching pick sixes and, and um, you know, uh, all this other stuff. Um, and – you know, but one of the things that, uh, you know, I just have, again, it's hard not to compare this simulation to Out of the Park, which is so good. Exactly. Out of the Park exactly. is so good. Um, and, uh, sorry, uh, you know, and I think that's unfair. I do think it's a little unfair. No, and I think no, no, that's right. It's like comparing an apple to an internal combustion engine. <laughs> exactly. Um um, so, you know, I just think that, um, that I, you know, you just got to take it for what it is. And that was one of the things that Scani and I both agreed is that you just, you know, you enjoy it for what it is. And it, 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 is it crazy when something really weird happens? Like I remember in, D, in the DSFL of Dallas, we lost, we lost this close game because they, I think they recovered two onside kicks, which is, I believe statistically is like, you know, uh, like 0.008% chance in real life to ever actually happen. Um, but you know, and that just makes you want to throw your hair out. But you know, and again, if you're on the other side of the football, that's probably the greatest thing on the planet that you just witnessed that your team just, uh, just got two onside the kicks scored and won a game with like two minutes left to play. So, you know, as, as much as heartbreaking as it is for you, it's just as great as, you know, for the other team that's benefiting from that thing. So you just got to take it for what it is and hope that those kind of rolls of the dice happen more in your favor than, on, than, than not. So, um, but no, I, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's a good system. I really like what uh, – I, I wish uh, there was a little bit more because one of the things that I, I've taught – I don't think I ever actually told this story. Um, but when I was in college – so uh, I'll kind of start with this. In high school uh, American football, I uh, – you know, we ran a pretty basic scheme. You know, we were bigger. We had a really huge offensive line, really big defensive line, good running backs. And so we just pounded the ball and, you know, basically power – you know, power eye, right, dive, you know, just, just dives, tosses, sweeps, zones, and just all day. We basically ran like nine plays. I went to uh, college, and when I was on offense, when I first came as a fullback, um, they gave me my playbook. And my playbook was a, was an encyclopedia of terminologies <laughs> and then like, you know, I, and, and that's why they say the quarterback has to be a relatively smart person because oh, yeah. the, the the things that they gave him, and I remember I, one of my one of the uh, freshman quarterbacks at that time, was a, me and him became fast friends, and he, we would just kind of talk about it one day, and we would quiz each other on different plays and schemes, and they go, well, if you see this, this is what you want to do, audible this way, because the quarterback has to come to the line, see the scheme that the defense is running, adjust the offensive blocking scheme so the, so the offensive linemen and the running backs know how they're going to block also possibly run uh, if you know depending on the receiving they might have two or three options of what kind of roster going to run depending on how the defensive lines up so he's got to tell the, de- the the receivers what to do and everybody has to be on the same page and it's like it's just it really blew me away you know i played i played football from third grade all the way into college and it wasn't until I got to college that I was like, holy crap, this is way more intricate than I gave it credit for. I thought it was just I was going out there hitting people as hard as I could. You know? That's that the way my dad sold it to me. He's like, hey, son, go out there. If you hurt somebody, it's not a big deal because you're playing football. And I was like, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. So I just went out there and just tried to hit people as hard as I could and loved it. And then you get to college, you're like, oh, my God, this is actually a really cerebral game. And I actually got a whole new um, – I guess just outlook on the game of football 
um, from playing college football and learning it. And, you know, I, I actually so much that I, one of the, my first careers that I thought about doing was I was going to be a football coach. Um, and so uh, obviously they go down that road. But, you know, I, I respect the game. And so when I saw the ISFL, I was super jazzed for it. And when I watched the simulations, I had some criticisms. But you just got to, like I said earlier, you just got to respect the, what we have. And, and I think, you know, it works. I enjoy it. I think a lot of people enjoy it. Could it be better? Sure, it could be a little better, but I mean that's that's what we're here for, right? And so, um, what I guess while we're on that topic, what is your biggest complaint so far that you've had with this current sim? Uh, I think it's always tricky. I think with the current, like I said, like you said, it's so difficult because it's so easy to complain about the sim. I think things like the football intelligence in the sim is is pretty terrible. So using using timeouts going for it fourth downs and all that side all the all the really intelligent bits of football just is non-existent although like i said it was actually worse in the last in the last sim so <laughs> it sort of tells you about it and again i think it's what what it is is a lot of the complaints from the last sim in this sim they're a bit better but they could still be a lot better so you've got all the things of how it all links up because sometimes playbooks can seem completely random with how they work and you said they're going hang on a minute why why running why running over the middle passing which should be nice and safe why we why do we turn over the ball more that makes no sense mm-hmm. <laughs> you do all these things where you just all these little changes but yeah i mean you like can't you said, it's, the, it's the best way it's the but we we've got what we've got and i think you know i think we can complain about it but it could be a lot lot worse <laughs> So uh, we just, um, as we kind of got a little bit into the season, I guess we could probably backtrack a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm jumping around on you. I don't mean to do that. I no, just that's all right. I, things come in my brain that I want to talk about before I forget it. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, Austin. Um, so I think we touched on it a little bit. Is Austin the only place you've ever played? Yes. Interesting. So I did not know that. Is that uh, by just sort of when you when you by choice like did you did they kind of bring you to the war room and then you just became such an well, inaugural member or member yes or? yeah it was, it was sort of it was just a slow slow burn because i joined when a guy at work showed me it so i joined like late in the season so i had less tp than everyone else and you know i, I enjoyed myself and i did all the tasks and i was brought to austin i was a i wasn't well it was it was a late pick sort of considering that you know i was in a draft class where there were inactives in the first round <laughs> oh, I was wow. picked late in the first round, and um, so I sort of, and you know, I went to Austin. I enjoyed myself, and you know, I was vocal, and then I was invited to the war room, and then it's all—it sort of, was one of these ones that it just slowly built and built and built, and I didn't want to leave. Obviously, I became the GM, mm-hmm. so me and Joe GM'd for a while together, and then when Joe stepped down a mid, so it was me in a mid. So obviously, my last player, I was a GM, and then my quarterback was a GM pick. And then, um, then I've stayed here obviously ever since. So you know, when player three comes around, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with with that guy. Is there any other organization in the ISFL that you would uh, that you would kind of say would be a place you would like to go play for? Just just because of the people? On, honestly, I think I I know people because I've been in the league for like a couple of years now. I know so many people in so many different teams that. I think if if I was for a player for my third player, if I was to look at another team, then it would be I'd be open to open to any team, and obviously it'd just be look, I'll stay as long as I'm happy here, and as long as you know everything's going along nicely, I'm not going to, 
I wouldn't complain because I know so many different people from pretty much every team in the ISFL. Mm-hmm. That is so. Uh, that was one of the things I was a little kind of concerned about. Um, I I've been very lucky uh, so far in my simulation uh, experiences, uh, both in the PBE um, here and Super Casual, in that basically everywhere I've gone has been uh, very active, very fun, very welcoming, great group of people, people that um, you know I made fast friends with. And, uh, so I stayed in Sarasota for, you know, I was, I was drafted there. I was a first round draft pick for them. Uh, I was drafted mixed because a, a real life friend of mine, Pork Torkelton, who is a real life friend of mine, uh, vouched for me and said, Hey, he's a good dude. You should draft him. So they did. And, um, I stayed there for all that time. And I, when I go someplace, I kind of just stay in the locker room. I don't go into Maine a whole lot. Um, I go basically to, uh, selfishly plug my medias um but i don't really go in there and just like hang out like a lot of people do so i because i like to do my hanging out in the locker rooms and um when it was come time when sarasota is going through a massive rebuild massive massive rebuild and there's basically nobody left from from when i was there except the the gm and even one of the gms stepped down so i don't know if he's going to stick around so um I kind of told them at the end uh, that, you know, I want them to trade me. I, I'm, I'm rooting for this organization. I want them to win uh, because I've always liked – they've never won a championship, and I've always liked the idea of being on the squad that wins the first ever championship. And so I, I gave – I resigned for minimum. I wanted to be there for, you know, the majority of my career. Uh, but then at the end, like I said, I'm hitting regression this year, um, first time regression. I'm still a top-tier player. And this team obviously had no chance or even playoffs nowhere in sight. Even winning 30 games would be a miracle. And, but I wanted to get something. I wanted them to, you know, hey, please you know, try to get something for me. They, it ended up not working out. And so I told them I was going to opt out and go someplace else. And I felt really guilty. Um, I, I was like, man, I, I almost kind of feel like, you know, specifically the GM, Junie Panda, who's a really awesome person. Love him to death. And I think he's going to do fantastic things over there. Uh, I always kind of felt like I was, you know, doing him dirty and, uh, you know, so I was kind of nervous and then I got his blessing. He did everything he could. He, he made me, uh, let me be tamperable and immediately, uh, New Orleans started reaching out and, um, I, you know, ended up again, signing with them pretty quickly on in the process, um, and joined their locker room. And it was, it was such a relief that it was, it was also such an awesome locker room and, you know, then over here in the ISFL, Dallas, which is a fantastic place to be. I loved it. Great people. And then I got drafted to Austin. Great locker room. Great people. And so I've just been so lucky. And so I've always, I've never been one that's like, I'm going to jump around to a bunch of different teams. I've always been kind of like, hey, you took me. I'm going to give you loyalty until, you know, until it's time not to. Um, and so, like, I've always been kind of concerned, like, what's it like going out there into the unknown ether that is free agency? Um, some people do it so non, you know, so easily. Me, I'm like, man, even though I don't know these people personally, I feel guilty and saying, hey, I don't want to be here no more. Um, and, and that's never happened to me until, like I said, just just recently. And, and even then, I still wanted to be there. It was just, it just wasn't, you know, you know, why stay there as a top tier player on a team that's clearly not going to do anything and um when everybody else is gone everybody else is left and so you know i only got maybe two or three more seasons and so uh you know i joined uh when in the isfl process here one of the things that i i was really pleasantly surprised by 
was when I was getting scouted how awesome everybody seemed to be. And it really does seem, especially he's talking to Scotty, because Scotty, he can talk Norfolk basically all freaking day. And he loves Colorado. And when I was recruited by Colorado in the ISFL process, they seemed to be really, really awesome. I just don't feel like there's a bad locker room anywhere. And so it's just I think that just speaks volumes for the community of the ISFL that everywhere ha- everybody wants to go somewhere and not ever leave. And I think that's really cool. And so I think Austin has that, obviously, with ba- uh, Bailey Kawabunga, who keeps coming back. <laughs> uh, you've been here now through two, through two careers. Um, yeah, everybody, I so mean, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like once you go somewhere, you're there. And that's really, really cool. And I, I think that is something that just is really, really cool for the league. And I hope it maintains that way. And so, but it's just at the same time, I guess, long-winded out of the way has you has it ever kind of crossed you to where like you know maybe i would like to just experience free agency just to see what it's like well i think i think obviously with my first player with your first player i always thought right i'm it's new it was entirely new to me the whole sim league experience and i was just happy where i was you know i'd made friends with all the people and then obviously i was the gm so i was staying no matter what and Mm -hmm. obviously this player i'm the quarterback so I have that added responsibility, so I'm not leaving. <laughs> so, you know, I, like you said, I think it would be interesting. I think you'd need, again, it, you'd need it for the right reasons. Right. So, you know, if, like you said, you're towards the, you, you find it, or you see it sometimes with experienced players where towards the end of the career, they do exactly what you said. I've seen that in the ISFL a whole bunch where they've gone, right, I'm going to go and find and chase a ring. Let's, let's go and do that. And people are absolutely happy with that for that to happen. And so, you know, I, I would I would like to experience, but obviously I'm going to have to wait for player three <laughs> to, to find out what, what's going to happen with him and where he's going to go, really. And then and then I can make those decisions. But at the same time, I'm not going to be, you know, I, I, it's not in my nature to be one of those completely ruthless, I'm going to sign for a year here, for a year there. I'm just going to be like a gun for hire. I, just, I can't do that personally. And so... Yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting, but I think you'd need you'd need to leave for the right reasons. It's I th- I find that funny. Uh, I don't know if it's a personality type. Um, maybe us older guys have a harder time with it than the younger folk uh, because we we are more personable. I think in that regard, like um, just speaking from the experience of the fake baseball league. Um, that happens every every season. They're, you know, a younger usually, and it's typically younger. I'm not trying to be ageist here, but typically the <laughs> the, the younger guys, the uh, the high schoolers, um, are like, "Hey, I don't like you here. I'm leaving." And they just you know they just drop the hat, leave. They go and they just bounce around until you know they find a place they're looking for. Or, you know, they're competitive and they care a lot about winning, which is really great. I care about winning too. Um, whereas me, if I'm like, I'm, I remember talking to my wife about it. I was like, I'm thinking about leaving. And she's like, okay. Like, you know, like, why are you telling me? This isn't, what's for, I don't care. What, <laughs> what, what's for dinner? Like, you know, what are you bringing home for dinner? I'm like, ah, I just, and I'm like mulling it over in my, in my, in my brain. Like, man, I feel really bad going and asking, Hey, are you going to be mad at me if I leave? <laughs> you know, like, please don't be mad. Like I, I'm not, you know, I'm just. You know, and, and and Junie in this regard was super cool. He was like, "Hey, man, you gotta do what's best for your your character, your player." And you know, it would have been nice to try to get something in return. It just didn't work out that way. Um, because even at the beginning of the season, they said, "Hey, we, you know, we're, would you be open to us trading you if 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 that opportunity came about?" I was like, "One hundred percent. I want you guys to be great. I want you guys to 
you know, get back to the glory because we, we had our, our season where we made, we basically sold the farm to try to go to the playoffs. It didn't work out. Um, and so they're, they, they were kind of in a spot where they needed to start rebuilding. I said, absolutely, 100%. I want you guys to, to succeed. And I kind of felt myself – I was kind of more, more rooting for the organization than I was for my, myself. And, <laughs> um, you know, so and, – and it's so weird because this is – it's just a simulation league. But I spent a lot of time here. I spent a lot of uh, – you know, I, I – you know uh, – do the do all the the TPE tasks. I do my medias. I talk a lot about it. Um, you know, I do the podcast now with both here and the PBE, and even with like you know here at Austin. I've, I just started my career here, and so I'm very excited for the future of that as a season thirty person. And I and I really you know love the atmosphere. I love the community here in Austin, and I'm already like you know thinking about that. And it's almost kind of like. It's a shorter career here in football. Oh than, yeah, than, yeah, than yeah, baseball. yeah. And the ISFL has probably the shortest, the shortest of the uh, the, the sim league careers, which and, you know I actually I really like because it means you get to experience it again, don't you? You get yeah. to go again. You get to go again. And the other SHL, you know, you can play for you have a single player for years. It's, ha- SHL is ridiculously long, and I know PBE is is longer than ours as well. So, so the PBE yeah. takes about. Let's see. I started July of two thousand. No, was it July? Yeah, July of two thousand twenty. Created my first player. It's now September twenty twenty one, and I still have maybe two or three more seasons, depending on how far I want to take this player in regression. So it's almost uh, almost two years, you know, before of one career. And so, whereas ISFL, I think if my math is correctly, it's about maybe eight months. Yeah, yeah, um, it's about eight, nine months if you, if you max earn and depending on your position and when you retire and that sort of thing, how, how far you're willing to go. So that is interesting to me. I think that, you know, um, that I guess kind of getting back to my point is feeling so connected to a place where you don't, you don't, you know, you know them. You, I, I, what's a good way of putting it, I guess? Uh I feel like you know people real because you talk to them every day. I talk to a lot of people in the locker room more than I talk to my some of my in real life friends. I guess the difference yeah, is we exactly. don't we don't go out for for beers, you know, as often. <laughs> but <laughs> I made this comment on one of my last podcasts about Hummuscott, who's the the G or the uh, the big dog over at the PBE, and how I was like he, we played together in Sarasota, and I go, you know, if I went to Sarasota where he's from. And I called him up on Discord. It's like, hey man, I'm in town. Would you want to go get a beer? That dude would say 100% yes. <laughs> and like, that's really cool uh, that you can you can meet people like that um, to where you're like, hey man, I'm I'm in town. You know, I know we've never met, and you know, we just play fake baseball together or fake the football. But uh, do you want to, you want to go get a beer? <laughs> and that I just love that. I think that's so cool. I I go to Vegas every year. Um, I'm a Chiefs fan, and so we, uh, with the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, it's been it, me and my friends use it as an excuse with our wives to go to Las Vegas every year for the Chiefs Raiders game. And I already have a couple people from Discord fake league, fake sports leagues that live in Vegas. That I'm like, I'm contemplating. Hey, man, can I come? You know, you want to come down to Fremont and have a beer with us? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's it's really cool. I think that's a really cool thing that we have um, with these with these communities, and so. Uh, one of the really cool things, and this is something that's a little bit of a surprise for me, because I don't think I, I, I think they're there in the PBE. Maybe I just haven't been around them. But here between Dallas and Austin, there's so many more European players here that I've met between you and then the Scots that we have uh, over in Dallas, and um, 
I find that really interesting. Uh, some Australian players, I believe. I think Simo is from Australia. Yeah, yeah, Simo's Australian. And uh, that I think that's really, uh, really cool. You know, I, I I was telling my wife that today that uh, I was going to do a podcast with a friend with a with a player from, uh, on my podcast from from the UK. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's really cool. So just kind of opening those doors, like it almost kind of brings me back to when I was a kid. And I had AOL for the first time uh, in dial-up computer AOL. And I was going on chat rooms talking to people from all over the world playing chess. And I remember telling my dad, Dad, I'm playing a guy from Switzerland on chess. And he's like, where? And I'm like, on AOL. And he's like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, it's great, man. The world's at your fingertips. And I've gotten, I think I've gotten so used to it um, over the years. And now, though, with Discord and you know voice chat and, and podcasts, it's kind of reignited that kind of just getting out there. And maybe, maybe also this is a symptom of, of COVID and feeling so trapped within um, the last year that kind of getting back out there. So um, I think it's really cool that there's so many uh, p- people from around the world that are in these leagues that just kind of broaden, you know, the community a little bit. What, what, so what's your experience? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you uh, regarding just sort of the worldwide um, atmosphere of the community? Yeah, well, it's it's it is, like you said, it's it's brilliant because you just have all the people from all over the world. I think it also, I think, like I said, I was surprised how many people from all over the world there were in things like PB in particular because obviously, with with football, the NFL's obviously actually got quite a big, you know, global pull over here in the UK. You know, we have games over here that just sell out in seconds, and it's actually it's really really popular, but other sports you know it's 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 a little bit harder for example baseball i i know absolutely nothing i I love cricket so i'm always (laughs) it's always amazing that you see all the people doing all these all these different simulation leagues and sports that just literally come from absolutely everywhere so i think i mean in in our locker room obviously we've got australians We've got Europeans. We've got people like um, someone who I talk to quite a lot, who is the head of banking at Opera, and he is Portuguese. Oh wow! So you have all these people. So it's also you got all these people where actually they're using their second language to talk to people, and how impressive that is. And I mean, it's the same over in SHL. I think I can't remember. I think he's, he's I think muted is. I think he's Czech. And you get all these things, you get all these people from literally all over the world where they're, they're not even speaking their main language and, they, you know, they're still far more coherent than, than most people are. <laughs> anyway. Now, that's, that's, that's funny uh, that you say that. We have a player um, over in fake baseball on my uh, MLN team um, that I, 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 I mean this as lovingly as possible. Uh, it almost appears as though he's typing in Google Translator and then copying and pasting it to Discord. And he, he's awesome. He's one of the coolest people, he, and he's just always so happy. But uh, it's just it just kind of makes me smile a little bit. Where I'm like, you know, clearly this game will be, you know, we'll be going. We'll, we'll have some topic we're talking about, and he'll definitely try to, and he'll you know ask you know what what we're talking about, and you know we'll have to you know, and it's just I, I love it. He's he's just a, such a cool guy, and you could just tell that. Um, you know, he, he, you're right. Like he's probably using a, a second language that he's not a hundred percent on yet, and he's just, you know, wanting to be part of the conversation. And and uh, I've never met anybody in the in any of these leagues that's been like, uh, you know, rude or just you know, unwelcoming. So I think this is a good community for that kind of activity. 
Um, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I'd be terrified if I went to an all Spanish locker room <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm self-conscious about it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, so I, I would, I would also be using some Google translator or something, but, um, no, I think, I think that's, that's also the problem with being American and being British and things like that is you're, you're far too reliant on everyone else being able to speak your language. Exactly. I, yeah, we're definitely, uh, <laughs> uh, I think we do take it a little bit for granted. Um, you know, cause, uh, right now in my household, we're watching uh, Ted Lasso um, on Apple TV, and I have never been a, a, a soccer guy. I've, I played football for 16 years. We played basketball, baseball. I live in the Midwest, um, where it's it's pretty big. We got sporting Kansas City, but um, I, I went to college with a lot of foreign foreign uh, students, and they would basically spend the entire time trashing American soccer that were garbage. And I would get in these debates of like, well, you know, if Jamal Charles played soccer, he'd be phenomenal. But we, we play, you know, we play American football. And it was just fun conversations to have. And so we're watching Ted Lasso and uh, just watching. And it's actually got me really intrigued with the game of soccer, you know, watching a show that I, I really, really, really enjoy. And that it's being surrounded around a uh, Premier League, well, I guess a fake Premier League soccer team. And uh, up to be honest, I've actually started catching some soccer games. I haven't really quite picked a team, uh, and I just kind of, I kind of, I do enjoy Premier League. Uh, is sort of the, the the soccer league that I've sort of selected, um, and I haven't, you know, I just kind of, uh, I guess Arsenal will probably be the one I'm watching the most, uh, just because I think we get a lot. Of, I think I don't know if there's a huge fan base here in, in Kansas City, but I, I guess it's always on. Um, and so, but no, it really has. It's intrigued me. To just be kind of like, you know, watch it and, and, you know, I get, I love watching how excited the fan bases are, you know, because it reminds me of college here, you know, the college atmosphere for American football is, is, is crazy. It's just, and there's no other way to, to explain it. I mean, in the NFL is one thing, but college football is just on a different realm and watching the soccer fans lose their minds and you know for me i'm still learning the game i'm like this doesn't it's it's there's there's a lot going on that i don't understand and so <laughs> like offsides i had no idea what the hell that rule was and I, and I and i had to look it up because i was watching and and i was watching uh watching the game and uh the fans were just losing their minds over this offsides call and i was like I, what what happened i don't i don't, I don't know what happened <laughs> So it's really been kind of cool just learning a new game. I mean, and just understanding the rules and watching the fan bases. So I've, I think uh, here, you know, with us, we, we, we take it for granted a little bit because we make American football so central. Like it's the most important thing. I mean, Amer Sunday is a, is a religious holiday here, especially in the Midwest. Um, and so, you know, I'm open to different things. Like I try to watch cricket, and I have no idea what's happening, but it looks fascinating to me. Um, and but you know, I, it's it's cool, just kind of opening the you know the horizons on what what I can watch. I just like watching athleticism. I enjoy watching athletes and the different sports. And so I'm glad that this you know ISFL has kind of done that a little bit. Uh, outside of you know and the nfl too but in just you know where there's more of a global following now with the sport that i love because uh i actually i got into a really fun debate again sorry i'm jumping all over the place um with a guy from australia talking about aussie football or rugby and he was like oh you know we don't, they, they don't wear pads and i tried to explain him i said hey man you know the pads aren't 
what happens when you wear pads, and, they, and I think they proved this on sports science, and I can attest to this, you have this weird self-sense of security, so you just put everything you possibly yeah, have you hit harder, yeah. into hitting somebody, whereas in Australian football or rugby, um, unless you're a psychopath, you have your natural uh, you know, instincts as a human being to not hurt yourself. <laughs> so, well, also, there's, also the rules, the rules are, uh, are stricter on certain things. I know particularly with rugby, I know there's the rule that essentially if you tackle someone and you put them in the air, you are responsible for getting them on the ground again safely. If you put them in the air and slam them onto the ground, you're off because you've just endangered that person. Yeah. You were the one who caused that, so therefore it is entirely on you. So that's sort of like, I'm not a big rugby guy, but my brother is, but I know who we're talking, I was talking to him about it, and that's sort of one of those rules where it says it's your responsibility because you've taken that man off the ground. So you better get him back onto the ground, better get him back onto the floor again without hurting him. That's awesome. Or you're... What you get off because again because obviously no pads no helmets you know you you can't you can't i think spear tackles and things like that you're just you're not really allowed to do which because is, it's just too dangerous which is another great conversation for i grew up in playing watching and playing 90s football which back in the day if you've never seen the program i recommend watching that movie it's fantastic um but back in the day i mean people were out to hurt people it had, you know they had headhunters where you know, you you know they have a lot of rules now that protect the offense, the quarterback, the receivers, and uh, you know you can't you know obviously can't leave with the helmet. Back, I mean, I remember playing little league football in in the ninety in the nineties uh, and and leading with my head, and they were like they were teaching that. <laughs> like you you know, I I can't tell you how many concussions I probably had as a little leaguer, um, and so. You know, there's there's a population of people that say, oh, we want to bring back the hard-hitting nature of football. But at the same time, you know, these guys are making a living. And, that, and as I've gotten older, I've kind of – I respect that more, that kind of gainsmanship that you can hit somebody hard and not try to end their career. And so um, I, I do respect – I think that's – I've never heard that rule with rugby. That's a really interesting um, – a lot of respect, honestly. That's really great. Mm. But I think it's one of the things they've brought rugby coaches in to the NFL to teach people how to tackle. Because they're actually much better at tackling in rugby than they are in American football. Because instead of throwing yourself at people, in rugby you literally just go ankles down, wrap, and sort of you take them out. And I know that I know one of the things they were trying to do is they were trying to bring in rugby coaches into the NFL to teach people how to tackle sort of more efficiently. No, that make that, that's a huge thing. You don't you don't dive into someone's chest because you're just going to bounce <laughs> off. You well, just you dive at their knees and you just wrap yourself, and then you know people go down. I I have uh, sons, and one of the things that that I was talking to a buddy of mine whose kids play football, and all the coaching has to go to special um, classes to learn how to teach kids how to hit properly. Oh, um, I can imagine. And so that's 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 huge. I, I think that is I, n- now that I'm older. When I was a young man, I was like, oh, that's that's uh, you know, for lack of a better term, that's pussy football. You know, hit hit them hard. You know, you're out there to hurt people. And now that I'm you know <laughs> middle aged, I'm like, nah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> why why are we trying to hurt people? Um, but uh, no, I, I think that's that that is something that I w- I've been kind of interested in with going bringing it all the way back to the ISFL as a defensive end. Uh, the lack of injuries. I think it's good because I know the PBE doesn't have it either. Um, no, no, they sw- they switched off. <laughs> yeah, that which is which is good. But that is one of the things that uh, I do. If I again a, sl- a slight criticism as a defensive end player, I would like to see 
uh, my defensive end smokes some quarterbacks sometimes. But I'm just, I, <laughs> that's just uh, me being a defensive end at heart. But um, no, I, I think it's I think it's super uh, fascinating. I, I'm, I love watching. Um, different sports from all over the place. And, uh, you know, that is, like I said, that's one of my bucket lists is to travel a little bit. And I would love to go to an English pub and watch a, and just get psyched up for a, for a, a soccer match. I got to not call it soccer. I know that, I guess. I, I oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you got to go to the right pub and support the right team. Otherwise, you could be in trouble. Yeah, you know, you might, it's like going, going to Oakland as a Chiefs fan. You might get stabbed. Um, speaking of, what is your, what's the team that you root for for uh, both soccer and American football? Uh, soccer, I support uh, Charlton Athletic, so they're not in the Premiership. They're two divisions below, so they're a South London team. Okay. So, so they're uh, yeah, yeah, they're not particularly good. And sort of just to continue on with the pain in American football, I support the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. I see. So I just, I just love pain. That's that's the how, reason. How do and this this is interesting. What? How how do you guys decide Why? who to yeah? How do you guys decide who to support? Um. Like it's it's just trying to find any sort of association, really, isn't it? And it's um, my dad spent a couple of years working in America, and he was based out of Atlanta. So obviously, I've been there. I went there as like a teenager, and he brought loads of stuff back and things like that. So that's why we sort of that's where the connection comes from. That's cool. I I because I I know uh, I'm spoiled here. Um, we have multiple college universities that we can root for and um we have an Ameri- we have a, a nfl football franchise with the chiefs so it's pretty easy basically everybody within the states of kansas nebraska oklahoma missouri are all chiefs fans um and and i think it is region based like most sports are they're typically you root for the team that you're you're, you're kind of born into um and that was always something i've always kind of been fascinated with with um play you know like i have a lot of family from mexico and they pick – this is a stereotype. I don't know why it is, but Mexicans love the Raiders. And, and obviously being a Chiefs fan, I'm like, why the hell do you like the, Ra- the Raiders? And I, 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 to this day, I still don't – I really don't know why they support the Raiders. And uh, when you have all the – when you have 32 teams to choose from, and even technically San Diego is closer. I guess – well, the, I guess the now Los used Angeles to used to be <laughs> – is closer to you geographically. Why the hell are you picking the Raiders? And uh, – so I think uh, you know it's it's I've always been kind of fascinated by that. If you don't have, if you're not bored into a team, what's you know how do you go about choosing your yeah, team? Yeah, why? How do you choose them and why do you pick them? And you got to have one of those ones where you can't you can't go and support the best team. Do you, do you, you? That that's that's just not allowed. If you're picking a new sport, you can't go. I support this team because they're winning at the moment. You is know? it is it respectable to choose multiple to to support multiple uh, soccer teams? No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> not in the same league not in the same league well like you can of course you can you can do whatever you want but you know if you come and say oh well i support here these people and these people and you just go well which which ones you support they play each other so the so do you have a premier league team that you pseudo support um i don't really have one that i i think probably the premier league team that i like the most would probably be leicester because i went to university in leicester and i think the best point in 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 premiership history pretty much was their completely bizarre completely like unheralded run to win the premiership when there were a thousand to one betting odds against them hmm. which was a number of it was quite it wasn't that long ago it probably was actually i'm just probably a little bit old but no there when leicester won i think it was how long ago was it i can't even remember now five six seven eight years ago leicester went and won the premiership wow. as well and you know against all odds 
I love it. No, I, I, I love underdogs. You know, can't, I mean, people, you know, a lot of people right now are taking, like, uh, when I tell people I'm a Chiefs fan, they're like, oh, you know, you're, you know, I'm like, no, I supported them in the 90s when they sucked. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always been a Chiefs guy. I, uh, you know, they, they weren't always good. Patrick Mahomes has changed our, uh, you know, the, our per- perception, but no, we, we, the Chiefs weren't always great. They've always, they've always, they were always a really good storied franchise obviously they were one of the first they were one of the first afl teams um lamar hunt is a legend in the nfl which is the founder of the the kansas city chiefs and so um you know they've always been very well respected but they were never you know great i mean i've never i never saw a super bowl they won the, the super bowl they won before this last one was in super bowl four so what 1960s and then uh, as a royals fan kansas city royals fan okay. woof. now that's a whole nother bag of pain <laughs> but no, I, I, I do like underdog teams. I like small franchise teams. Um, I don't like to support big city teams because they typically have a lot more money um, and a lot more opportunities to purchase things. And so, um, you know, that's why I like Austin instead of, you know, the Silverbacks. The Silverbacks can, can you know, I'll be nice, but they they can go they, they can go do their own thing. I'm going to, I like, I like being part of a smaller, uh, Austin, uh, the city of Austin is actually a really cool town. And so, um, it's a really, I, I do like, I do like the underdog. And so, no, I love it. So getting back to ISFL, we've really gone off topic, but, uh, it's been a pleasure so far. I, I can talk for days. Um, you know, <laughs> what, what do your, what do you, you said you're in the simulation, you or do you run a lot of simulations without getting too much into the behind the scenes with Austin? How do you project the rest of our season? Um, I think that we should, you don't want to say 100%, but we should be in the playoffs. And it's now that question of where, what will our position be to get into the playoffs? You know, one, two or three. And I think that's what we're really gunning for at the minute. Is just, is what's the best advantage we can give ourselves? Because obviously last season we're in the playoffs and the playoffs is the three seed. So, you know, you're going to play away and then you're going to play away and then you're going to play away. And so I think what we've really got to try and do now is is I'd be I think everyone would be shocked if we don't finish in the top three. But we sort of you want to look at that one or that two slot at least now. And so that's what I think we should really be. That's what we're really gunning for. Is Arizona have they lost enough for us to to be competitive with them? They've lost a little bit. I think they're probably still on a whole a better team. But getting that win in Arizona has potentially really helped us. So if we end up on the same points as them and, you know, we've beaten them twice, if we can beat them at home as well, then, you know, potentially I think that's actually, that's really helped us. But at the same time, losing to New York probably hasn't helped us. So <laughs> it sort of swings around about us. It's interesting because Arizona um, currently is 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Orange County as well. I know, I know that was fairly shocking to and, be honest. and they barely beat honolulu 24 to 17 so that's kind of where i asked i had arizona as probably the number one team coming out of our division with us being a close second mm. but i yeah no, I, I had exactly the same things though they, they still should be very good and then if you so look at the you don't know if it's just some bad luck yeah because even in the preseason they lost to Yellowknife 27 24 so it's interesting it'll be kind of interesting to see they got a pretty decent schedule coming up they got the uh, new orleans coming up Saberfish, and then they got a tough game against sarasota um before they got the uh the race uh, yeti there and so 
I, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see. I, I mean, selfishly, I would like to see them not make the playoffs. I think that would make it easier for us <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, to get there. Um, but yeah, we we that that loss of the Silverbacks, thirty-one seventeen. As a defensive member of our, our of our team, was tough to chew. Um, yeah, defense sort of didn't turn up. Which well, is quite rare and us. I do feel really guilty because I'm currently banked at ninety-four TPE. I should be. I, I talked to you guys about it when I was building him. I want to get mm. that that bull rusher, but man, I feel bad having. I'm sitting on ninety four TPE that could be helping out, especially since I've only had one tackle in four games. Yeah, uh, well, you've got you've got that unfortunate problem if you're playing you're playing defensive end in a team that's got sort of two premier sort of absolute supermax uh, yes. supermax linebackers. They're so obviously so good. it means that you play we play predominantly three four. Because we've got those linebackers, so that's where our strength is. Yeah. So sort of using Thomas Lacker, and I can't remember what a mids player is called, but and the mids player, and it's yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing is you get is you get put into that into that three at the front, which I've always found particularly in this sim with defensive linemen where they don't get the stats, but them being good is important. It just doesn't translate. Yeah. So if you have bad ones there. They won't get the stats, and your team does badly. If you have good ones there, they don't get the stats, and your team does well. Well, so luckily, that after ability exists, <laughs> one more week I'll be able to start. I'll be able to buy the pad, the bull rusher, which I hear is very important, and uh, and then start contributing elsewhere because we have uh, Berlin coming up, Honolulu, which has honestly been the shock. Uh, we I think we should have saw it coming. Honolulu has been getting better each year. They have really good players. Mm. But I, I had them, I think, as fourth in mine, Honolulu. I, I think I had them sort of fighting fourth, fifth sort of place. So. I think I did too. I think I had Orange County as honestly losing. So I felt like they regressed the most and being at the bottom of the tier. Sabercats behind them, New Orleans, and then Honolulu number four uh, going backwards. So uh, we do. So uh, with that being said, we have a pretty decent schedule coming up. we got Berlin, who's going to be Berlin. They're still pretty tough, even though they, they've lost a little bit. Uh, Honolulu coming up. New Orleans should be... Uh, a little bit easier than we got Colorado, Sarasota, back to Honolulu. So we have a pretty, I think, probably our toughest run here in the middle of the season that I think if we can get out of this gauntlet is going to bode really, really well for Austin moving into uh, playoff position, especially if Arizona continues to kind of underperform a little bit. So mm. I think it'll be really interesting. Uh, so uh, That loss of the Silverbacks does make it a little bit difficult because now they're 3-1. and one. Um, tied at the top, and I think they got the nod. Yep, they got the nod because they have the tiebreaker, obviously, of the head-to-head against us. But uh, their offense has produced a little bit better, but their defense is much worse. Um, but we just, our defense did not show up that game. So hopefully, um, if everybody keeps doing well and progressing um, and uh, <clears throat> start using 90 TPE towards improving their player, uh, I think we will do, <clears throat> excuse me, have a really, really good uh, outlook on the season is there any final thoughts on with a quarter of the season done and three quarters left to go kind of just your thoughts on the our division uh, i think it's going to be i think it's shaping up to be really tight to be honest with you i think that we're going to see those that one two three spot is potentially i think it's going to be like a game or two between all three teams so unless new york drop off Somehow, which you know, we can really hope that they do, but they're sort of flying at the minute. And unless Arizona continue to do badly, which I think is even more unlikely, I think they've they've had a blip, and you know, they're suddenly just going to turn around and become a juggernaut again, which they have a tendency to do. I think it's going to be 
incredibly tight. I think it's going to be one or two games between the top three. So that's why it's just with getting place other than third, getting that second or first will just be absolutely brilliant. Love it. I'm very excited. So uh, we're well into the hour of the podcast. I had one more segment. Um, again, it kind of got away from us. I've, it's been an absolute pleasure, <laughs> absolute pleasure talking to you. I, I, I love these interviews and and bringing people on and talking to them and getting to know, especially somebody that's on in the locker room. I talk, to, I see every day. Um, so the last thing I kind of want to talk about really quickly is uh, mm-hmm. I have been doing these these ghost stories at the end of my pods for the last two weeks, and I plan on doing it. Uh, up until Halloween. Uh, I love Halloween. Fall is my favorite time of year. Um, so the first question is, how are? what are your thoughts on Halloween and the season? Do you guys celebrate it pretty pretty big over there? It's becoming bigger. It's essentially, it's an American holiday. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the thing with Halloween is obviously, as you know, it's a really fun one. And there's no sort of, there's no strings, there's no presence, there's no religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, apart from in fact it is, go all the way back, it is a religious holiday. But yeah, it's 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 becoming much much more common over here. When I was young, it didn't exist. It didn't exist sort of. It didn't exist sort of twenty five years ago, and now and now it's actually it's becoming much more popular. So trick or treating exists a lot more. Houses are being decorated more. Obviously, nothing compared to compared to over with you in the states, but it is becoming a bigger one. And it's it's one of my wife's favourites as well. She absolutely loves it. She loves all the dressing up and all the and the trick or treating and all that side. She absolutely adores it. So it's it's quite big in our house. Ugh, I see. I, I love I love to hear. I'm I'm a little shocked that it's not. The, I knew it's been an American holiday, and I know a lot of other uh, cultures have similar type holidays like uh, Dia de Muertes over in Mexico and stuff like that. Um, the Day of the Dead. And uh, but I'm kind of that's that's actually kind of shocking. I didn't know that it's been just sort of re- more of a recent phenomenon over there. So. You got you do take you do take the kids trick or treating and they get candy and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, obviously last year we didn't because no oh, one was allowed yeah, out. Yeah, COVID, yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Previously, yeah, we've done we've done trick or treating, sort of going down the right roads and things like that. And yeah, no, 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 it's been really good. One of the uh, things about me as well is I I'm an absolute uh, just sucker for history. I love history. Um, we were talking earlier, I, I said, if I hadn't, I've gone to my, my current career, I would have, I would have been a history teacher slash football coach. I love history. And so one of the things that I am just super fascinated with all different, I mean, I could go on about history, but one of the really interesting things that I love is that Europe has a ridiculous amount of history. And so it's a little bit shocking that, or I, I shouldn't say that, uh, what's a better way of putting it? The amount of history and just tragedies, like for example, you know, the uh, in, in Edinburgh in the catacombs in Scotland is a really considered a very haunted area, and all these these houses that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years that have been are considered haunted. That I would be, uh, I I would have a heyday in Europe and UK specifically on, during Halloween season, getting into that. Um, uh, that just sort of atmosphere and of, of, you know, going and visiting these old creepy haunted places. Um, and you know, uh, like one, one of the games that one of the board games that my wife and I like to play is, uh, is a board game called uh, Sherlock Holmes, where you solve a bunch of mysteries and stuff like that. And, you know, with murders and stuff like that. And so, you know, you got Jack the Ripper in the UK and England and London and so all these cool you have a, you you guys could really make Halloween just so spectacular with the amount of just real life 
history that you that 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 you have um so uh, is that something that you kind of are interested in or is that just sort of you guys are just kind of used to it (laughs) but yeah we to be honest we're sort of used to it because obviously there's so much of it that uh I mean, houses obviously here are much older at certain points, castles and all these things where sort of you do get you do get places where you go, this is the famous for being haunted. And I mean, where I used to live when I grew up, there was the village. There was a village that was meant to be the most haunted village in the entire of the country. And there were houses that had all sorts of ghost sightings in it and things like that. It was a place in Kent called He's Pluckley in Kent, which is meant to be one of the most haunted places, most haunted village in the UK is what they claimed. And I mean, I do enjoy all those sorts of things. I mean, I've been on ghost tours around London, which are always great fun. I did one Halloween before, before children, before I had any children. Me and my wife did it with some friends and that was just an absolute blast. So you sort of went around London with a tour guide at dusk and, you know, you went around and you got all the stories in that was in the city part of London. So that was sort of there was where William Wallace's head was, where he, where where William Wallace was killed, where his head was chopped off, where he's hung, drawn, and quartered, and the prisons and things like that, which obviously just don't exist there anymore. That's that so, no. is awesome. <laughs> do, do you guys? Uh, would you say that the? Would you call yourself a skeptic when it comes to that kind of stuff? Oh, I'm a complete skeptic. So you have no, uh, no, no scary uh, in, uh, encounters that are unexplained personally. No, 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 I don't. I think uh, any any encounters to be unexplained for me is me scaring myself. I love uh, so. I mean, that's I am too. I I know as much as as giddy as I get about the Halloween season and the stuff that uh, you know, talking about ghost stories and stuff like that. I, I am too. You may not believe it, but I am too a skeptic <laughs> by nature. Um, the the next uh, series or story that I'll be talking about uh, will be revolve around my my job. Um, so. As a big reveal to if you made it this far, one hour and nine minutes into the podcast, what I actually do for a living is I am a violent crimes detective for my local municipality, um, and I see dead bodies on a daily basis. Um, and so one of the things, this next story is going to be a particular anecdote um, case that uh, I had several years ago. Um, I am going to be very respectful to family, obviously. I'm not going to use any names or anything like that. Um but it's just one of those, you know, for the most part, you deal with a lot of death and 99.9% of the time it's explainable through humanistic, uh, human uh, flaws. Uh, you know, obviously murders and, and stuff like that are typically done by the, the blackness of a heart of an individual. And so it's, you know, that's just, that's just what it is. There's no paranormal reasoning for it. People, you know, I think there's not... Uh, I, I read a lot of the Sherlock Holmes books. There's not a whole lot of paranormal reasons. It's just pe- bad people doing bad things. And um, But this particular story is going to revolve around a particular case. And um, I'm very excited to, to get that one out. And it actually involves a witch uh, or a, a self-proclaimed witch. And as a, a man of, of the UK where there, I think, are more witches, quote-unquote, uh, out and about, um, have you had any encounters with that type of lifestyle? Not in any way. Other than <laughs> you know, you get the you get the people who go to Stonehenge to dance around it naked or whatever they do, the the druids and things like that. No, no, you, I, I haven't walked down the road and run into a witch. <laughs> at least that you but, know. Um, at least that you know of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
my my only encounter was always a hilarious one where in where I used to live there was a guy who became famous for just being completely eccentric and walked around dressed as a wizard with oh, a cat on, with a cat on a leash which oh. walked was on his shoulder full wizard regalia with staff I love that that's great I just I like I said I I I, well, I respect everybody's lifestyle choices, and, and, and I, you know, if you want to live and be a vampire, you can be live and be a vampire. You can do whatever it is you want to do. Um, I, I, I'm not here to judge. I am fascinated by it, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll more, I will love to have a conversation with you about it, but I will never judge anybody on that particular lifestyle. So, no, that's and so. Last question, and before we finally uh, come to the conclusion. With everything that you've heard from me, and maybe, like, again, this is just person to person speaking six hours away from each other, uh, would you call some of the, this is just more of a personal question, the sort of, um, what's the way I can put it, the interest or just obsession with uh, the paranormal more of an Americanized thing, or do you guys have a lot of the same type of things over there as well? Oh no, no, no! It's it's a worldwide thing, isn't it? The uh, the interest in the unexplained, not being able to not being able to like give a reason for why something has happened, means that it's just human nature that you want to put a reason to it, and therefore you put reasons that that might not be that might be fantastical. So no, that's that's I think that's just human nature entirely. Yeah, because I know if I. Uh, you know, one of the one of my sons is uh, real big into a show here called The Ghost Adventures um, on the Travel Channel here in the in the in the states. And uh, he he's only seven, but he's already asked me, "Hey, Dad, can we go to these haunted these haunted places?" And I'm like, "Boy, you have no clue, buddy. We're gonna go on a road trip. We're gonna visit the <laughs> Stanley the Stanley Hotel where they filmed uh, the uh, The Shining. Uh, we're gonna go to all these places. And like I said, like for me, it's not necessarily that I'm really hoping to see ghosts." Because like I am a skeptic by nature, I just really am fascinated by the stories and the history of a location on how like they they got the reputation for being haunted. Because it's usually something pretty interesting, you know, either you know death or you know the mob or something. Somebody was involved in the black arts or you know and whatever. There's usually a really interesting story. That goes well, along that's right. With there's, there's always a story, isn't it? And I think it's also something to do with uh, with America being such a young country as well. It's trying to find that history. Exactly. And so uh, I know that if him, if I were to go to Europe, I would I would be just overloaded with the. I I could, I could spend days and days and days listening to the stories with the amount of history that is over there. And that, like I said, that's I love it. I I love it. And so I do hope that people that are listening to my little ghost stories are enjoying it. It was just something I decided to do for the Halloween season, something a little original. Um, so far, the podcast grading team has not dinged me on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it until other until uh, basically either I'm told to stop or until obviously the season is over and we can move on to bigger, better things. But that being said, Moody, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you've been an absolute joy having a conversation with. I'm very... I love talking to people and especially those that uh, basically reside so far away from me. Um, and so <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I hope you enjoyed your time. And uh, do you have any questions for me or anything that you had for me? <laughs> While we're, no, no uh, well, other than, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, oh, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. And I just want to say that personally, I, I, I can't wait to hear the next ghost story. So, 
you know, I, I really, while I'm a complete skeptic, complete skeptic, you know, I do love, I do love a good yarn, and I think you spin a really good one. So, I, I am looking forward to sitting down tomorrow or whenever this comes out and and having a proper good listen to it. I'll skip over the bits with myself <laughs> because no one ever wants to hear themselves talk. Wow, and you know, and you know move what's straight coming. onto that bit. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, no questions from me other than uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to listening to it and uh, and hearing your story. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate you sticking with my babble and jumping all over the place. <laughs> I think you can now t- see how easy it is for me to talk for an hour because I can literally just talk. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, with no script, no nothing, I can – we can talk on topics. We can jump, talk about beer, American football. So, I mean, anything and everything. So, um, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And, and hopefully uh, maybe I can come on to your podcast next time. Or if not, we can spend time in voice chat in uh, the Austin locker room as we cheer on our Austin Copperheads to a season uh, to a season 31 championship. That, that sounds like an absolutely brilliant plan. Thank right. you so much, Io. Excellent. All right. Well, you take care. Have a good one. And you every- too, mate. Everybody's still sticking around. Just hang on tight, and I'll be right back with the ghost story for this podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Io's ghost story segment, where at the end of the pod, you can sit up next to a fire or pour yourself your favorite beverage and listen to some ghost stories. Well, we're three weeks in to September almost, and getting closer and closer to October for the true Halloween season. If you missed my last two episodes, I kind of talked about my introduction into all things paranormal, and my ghost stories that sort of made me interested in such things. Now it's time to bring you to a real-life situation that I experienced in the real world. If you listen to the podcast with me and Moody, I revealed that I am a investigator. Uh, I investigate violent crimes in my municipality, and uh, I have seen some really interesting things throughout my career. And one of the things that I could definitely say is that most of the evils of this world are done by human beings, just hurting each other and being evil. But there's been a few cases that were a little bit more than normal, that had a little bit more of a strange appeal to them. And this is one of those stories. Now. Before we get started with our Oktoberfest beverages of choice of this evening, Samuel Adams, Oktoberfest, I want to preface this story with this. I will never use the names or the real names of any of my encounters, and I would like to treat anybody with the utmost respect. And so uh, these are just stories um, from my experiences from years ago and so obviously nothing too recent and again I do wish to tell these stories with respect to the people involved so again names will be changed and uh, obviously locations and everything else that are specific to the actual case will be changed um, 
but the overall essence of the story will remain the same. So, this story is called The Witch. We go back a few years, and again, much like my ghost stories, I never really had much thoughts on the paranormal, or really ghost for that matter. And that was doubly for witches, and witchcraft, and the black arts, so to speak. I never, you know, growing up in the Midwest, uh, I, I don't live next to Salem, uh, or a, um, you know, an urban or suburban location with a whole lot of voodoo, uh, or other types of things like that. So, I never really have, well, to my knowledge, ever met a practicing witch or Wiccan or anything of that nature. So, this story starts, like I said, a few years ago. Quite a few years ago, actually. And um, me and my partner uh, were investigating a possible death investigation. And this investigation um, was one of those ones where we got initiated because there were strange circumstances and it wasn't just a natural death. It was uh, something that were, was suspicious in nature. So we got to this address and we had information from the family that the individual uh, was deceased upstairs in the bedroom. And as we went up to investigate the crime scene, we started noticing some very strange things about the house. The there was a lot of paintings and art that would be described as maybe gothic or uh, some of that some you know uh, imagery that is associated with gothic. Uh, imagery or witchcraft imagery. There were paintings of black cats. There were paintings of black castles. There were paintings of uh, entities with wings that can maybe be considered demonic or uh, paganistic, if you will. And uh, lots of just very interesting pieces of art throughout this, this home. As we continue to investigate this crime scene, we started noticing there were a lot of books on witchcraft, sorcery, demology, and just very out of the ordinary, odd literature. Compass that with the art and of course the ever-present black cat that was home, that was in this home. So my partner uh, at the time was somebody who was, I would definitely say, a realist. Someone who did not believe in the paranormal, did not believe in ghosts, was a skeptic to all things, and was just your very average straight man. In that he came, he did his job, he assumed it was all... We investigated these scenes and these, these crimes um, as you know explainable through very humanistic means. And... I have to be honest, I did enjoy playing with the, him in this regard because I, on the other hand, even though skeptic by nature, did enjoy, as sort of a hobby, reading and looking and watching 
ghost adventures and other paranormal type shows and the things that go bump in the night. Even though as an investigator, I also too believe that most things were explainable and rationalized through humanistic means on this plane of existence, it was still fun to play with them. Well, this particular part of the story comes in that, again, this was a very unusual death investigation in that it didn't appear as the individual died naturally, and it did not appear as the individual took their own life. Um, but at the, that being said, the obvious signs that would normally encompass that of a homicide were not present either. There were no signs of forced entry into this home. There were no signs of a struggle into this home. And, you know, it just appeared very unnatural, very strange. And as we're looking further into it, so to describe the scene again, the scene itself is interesting because it is burned into my memory. This young person um, who had who's been deceased was lying in a very particular manner. Uh, very hard to describe. And as we're doing our investigation and we're doing the crime scene um, photos and all that things we start noticing some very interesting things about the way things were set up there's candles there were uh, you know things hanging about uh, dried up um, you know vegetables and and can and and uh, these like I said these candles put in a different array there were some of those sorcery books lying about um and 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 i guess the easiest way to put it is that it appeared as though a bunch of juveniles were trying to conjure a ghost or a spirit using an ouija board without the ouija board but with everything else the candles the books and everything of that nature with her um lying in basically uh this whatever this was the scene and finally something came to our attention that was what really made this even more interesting. As I said at the beginning of the story, there were a lot of paintings about this house, Gothic paintings. Um, and I wouldn't say that they were professional grade in that regard. And as it turned out, we've discovered that she actually was the artiste and was the one that created all these these paintings. And so, in the living room, there was a particular piece of art laying, uh, sitting above, on the wall above the couch that struck me because it was a portrait of exactly the way she was upstairs, uh, deceased. And it would appear as though she essentially painted her own demise. Obviously, before it happened. And again, my partner was unsettled. not too keen on that <laughs> fact. Uh, we ended up calling a few more others and we, would, we brought it to their attention. There was even a few um, investigators who refused to even set foot in the home because of it. And again, throughout the investigation, we never quite determined the cause of death. The, the uh, death certificate came back um, with an uh, unconclusive cause. There were no signs of foul play. There was no signs of narcotics, alcohol. There was no signs of a struggle. Uh, it just appeared as though 
she left this plane. Um, and it was a very interesting scene, but that being said, we still investigated it, and it went a few months without any leads, and we kept coming back to it. And the final part of this story that is essentially an unsolved mystery in that regard is that we never truly came to a conclusion on the cause of death, and then, and then such never had a, a suspect. The final caveat that put the cherry on the top for this particular investigation for me and has made it to where I will never forget it. Because it's already very difficult to forget considering the crime scene that it was and it was my only investigation of a self-proclaimed witch. Or at least someone that appeared to practice in, in, that, in the witchcraft. So you have the portrait that I remember very, very, very vividly of the crime scene upstairs in the way that she had left this world. That she appeared to have painted herself. Several years passed and I went back looking at the old crime scene photos of that case. Um, I was actually teaching a course and I was going to use this case as an example of essentially unsolved cases. And as I was going through the photos several years later, I started noticing some things. For example, that no two photos were exactly the same. Some photos had, you know, darkened color. Some photos had a uh, an illusion of mist of something like that. Some photos didn't come out at all. And then the final one was that there was a photo of the painting downstairs. And when I went back and looked at the photo, all it was was a wall was no photo. There was no painting. I'm sorry. The painting appears, at least in this photo, to have vanished from existence. I would call her, I would text my old partner who is now working in a federal position in New York, and I asked him about that case and if he remembered it, and he said he did, and I asked him if he remembered the painting, and he said he did, and I sent him a photo of of the photo where it was gone and he didn't have an explanation and essentially basically said he never wants to talk about it again and to this day I still don't know exactly what happened what happened to that young lady what happened to that photo what happened to the painting what happened with the fact that all the crime scene photos were distorted in some way or fashion it was a very odd situation, and again, an unsolved mystery to this day. So, thank you again for listening to Io's Ghost Story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you join me next week as we continue our path down towards Halloween as we tell spooky and scary stories. Um, and thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy your rest of your week. Take care. Something strange Come with us and you will see This is our of Halloween This is Halloween This is Halloween Fuck and scream Gonna get a bite This is Halloween Everybody make a scene Trick or treat Tell the neighbors Come and die Fight It's our town Everybody's coming